shooting out sparks over 38 states, the Canadian plains, and the tequila fields of Mexico. A program most deserving of a grand introduction. The Nocturnal Journal. The talk of the town. WGN Radio 720. With your guide, Dave Hoekstra. Daytime turns me off and I don't need maybe. Ro, what night is it? Is it Friday night or Saturday night? I think it's Friday. Yeah, we got a special uh, Friday night version of the Nocturnal Journal. Thanks for joining us. Uh, two hours. In the next hour, we're going to talk about uh, White Sox parks. Amazing vendors. I bet you guys are all White Sox fans. You bet. Yeah, yeah. So we're going to talk about the history of the actually the old Comiskey vendors a lot. We're going to talk about uh, Go RVing and uh, small houses, tiny houses. In the studio for the first segment. And thank you, all you guys, for, for coming down tonight. Um, we're going to pay tribute. You, I only met her a couple times when I did a story on her, but Wanda Kurek, the proprietor of Stanley's, 43rd and Ashland in Back of the Yards. And she passed away June 18th, right, at age 95. So we want to talk about the history of the tavern. In the studio, we have... Why don't you guys just introduce yourself? And uh, we'll start with the Back of the Yards and go specific. But Hi. Dominic? I'm Dominic Pasiga from... Emeritus professor at Columbia College. And you wrote, virtual reference here, Slaughterhouse, right. Chicago Union Stockyard and the wor World It Made. Mm -hmm. University of Chicago Press? Yep. Okay. Yeah. Walter? Uh, I'm Walt Keurig, and I'm proud to say that I'm Wanda's nephew. Okay. Uh, my name is Ken Motti. Uh, they jokingly refer to me as the mayor of Rockabilly uh, in the uh, music scene in Chicago. And I was lucky enough to be introduced to Stanley's Bar by the young man sitting next to me. And I'm Steve Mandel, um, a fan of all things old about Chicago. And this That's why you're on this show. <laughs> you, you, this is your second visit to see yes. us. We talked about the Bucket of Sun. So um, let's just talk about, like I said in the general, let's talk about the history of the Union Stockyard, Dominic, and, and you know the ebbs and flows, how it started, how it wound down when Wanda was there. I want to tell the listeners how important it was and how you know, Wanda's bar played into it. Sure. The Union Stockyard opened on Christmas Day, 1865. What better way to celebrate Christ's birthday but to open a livestock market? Uh, and it lasted till um, the, the, the first non-market day was August 1st, 1971. So almost 106 years. Uh, and it started uh, almost immediately as a, as a tourist attraction and as a, as a center of the meat and packing industry. Uh, most of the packers had been located in Bridgeport along the south branch of the river, but by 1870-75 they began to move in west of the stockyards. Uh, and as they moved in west of the stockyards, they filled in the area up to Ashland Avenue. So it was the square mile that people talked about. Tom Wilson, who owned Wilson Meatpacking, who I understand was a customer at uh, Stanley's periodically, uh, he would refer to the, the square mile almost in a loving kind of way. Yeah. Uh, he made his fortune there. He ran Nelson Morris Company, and then he, he owned Wilson Meatpacking. It peaked uh, at World War I. There were about 50,000 people working in the stockyards at the time. Uh, and then in the 1920s, it slowly went into decline in the 1930s, 1940s, 1950s. Uh, it peaked again during World War II, but after World War II, you could see a, a precipitous decline. From 1893 to 1933, there were never fewer than 13 million head of livestock a year in the stockyards. Twice it peaked at over 18 million. Uh, so the Tribune. Uh, called it uh, uh, organized chaos. Mm -hmm. yeah. uh, because if you didn't know where you were going, you got lost in the pens real easily. Yeah. 
Um, after the war, the truck and the interstate system sure. began to have an impact, and the Packers began to buy more and more direct from farmers, and so the stockyards went into decline. So I worked there from 1969 to 1971. At that point, even that last year, I believe we had three-quarters of a million head of livestock. What did you do there? I was a livestock handler mm-hmm. and then later a security guard. A security guard? Yeah. yeah. My dad worked there. He began his career at Swift and Company there, and he was like a messenger boy. This had to be like in the 30s. And, mm-hmm. But anyway, he talk, you always talked about how it was a city within a city. Oh, I mean, yeah. they had a radio station. and Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. News, did yeah. they have a newspaper? And, oh, yeah, they had the Drover's Journal. Yeah. Uh, the Drover's Journal was published there. They had restaurants. They had a hotel, of course, the Stockyard Inn. Yeah, right. Before that, known as the Transit House. Uh, WGN broadcast uh, the Farm Report at noon uh, mm-hmm. from the uh, auditorium of the uh, Livestock Exchange Building. Uh, yeah, we had at one point there were a hundred security guards for the stockyards. Uh, the The livestock market itself, not counting the packing houses, covered 475 acres. You had a hog house at one point could hold over 200,000 hogs, a sheep house that could hold 100,000 sheep, and the cattle pens uh, just seemed to go on forever. Built in a kind of a swamp. I mean, everybody yeah. talks about, we, we talked about this with Wanda once, right. and my dad used to talk about just the smell. Oh, yeah. Yeah, well, describe the smell. Oh, well, the smell. <laughs> you know, I, I grew up with the smell. I, yeah. I grew up at 46th in Wood Street, um, and uh, uh, it didn't mean anything to me. It was the way everything smelled. But one time when I, I was an altar boy at Sacred Heart Parish, where Wanda was a parishioner as well, and uh, they took us out to a uh, seminary someplace and out in the country. And I said, what is that smell? It's terrible. What is that smell? <laughs> it was fresh air. <laughs> I got sick. <laughs> so, so, Walter, talk a little bit about the history of, of the bar. I mean, it goes back, the first location was like 1924? 1924. Yeah. Uh, my uh, grandfather was the classic American immigrant. Uh, I think the story of Wanda and the saloon is pretty much the american story he worked in the uh stockyards in chicago as he was a foreman he started his first location in uh, 1924 uh located approximately 41st in ashland in a rented location and basically it was uh beer and alcohol and uh food was really given away uh as an inducement for customers to come in and stop by uh, and then as years gone by, the food became a, a bigger component of the business. But basically, uh, my grandfather and my grandmother started with nothing, rented a location, then a second location on uh, 1615 West 43rd Street, right on the alley. That's still a saloon today. Then they moved to 43rd uh, in Ashland on the uh, south side of the street, which is now a Dunkin' Donuts. Uh, they saved their money and purchased the corner property on 43rd National on the northwest corner mm-hmm. and moved into that location in 1935. 1935. And it's, uh, it was always a family business. Everyone in the family uh, worked in the business. My father was a lawyer, but he tended bar. My aunts tended bar. My brother, uh, I'm sorry, my uncle tended bar. I tended bar when I was in college and just a family business. How did you see the neighborhood change? I don't, I don't know how roughly how old are you? Uh, I am uh, 64 years 64 old. 64 years old. So how did you see, when you go there to work, how did you see the neighborhood? Well, when I, uh, my recollection of the stockyards when I was uh, a child were basically the animal pens and mm-hmm. many of the buildings, darlings, and so forth, uh, but fairly dormant. All the pens were empty. Uh, and then over the course of time, that's changed into an industrial park. And, uh, you know, the, the, uh, the neighborhood has changed. It's just, a, it's just a different community today, same type of community hard-working family people uh, and um, 
you know, life goes on. And um, how many people from the family work there? Well, uh, my uh, Wanda had uh, four siblings, so all five of uh, the children worked in the business. Uh, I've worked in the business on the next generation. I have a cousin who's also worked in the business, and I have a sister who's worked in the business as well. So I guess that would be a total of uh, eight of us. Okay, we're going to take a break um, here, and then we're going to come back, and I'm going to talk about Wanda a little bit more specifically in the next generation. So don't go away on Nocturnal Journal on WGN. Marion Lush. Wanda told me she liked Marion Lush. That's why I played that. Thanks. Is that that's on the jukebox there, right? It is. Yeah, yeah. Um, so you guys, uh, Ken and uh, Steve, I want to talk about the next generation. How did you? How did you guys find it? Um, you know, there's a lot of. Well, that's my next question. A lot of bars that get a, a, a rebirth with an, another generation. I don't know if that's happening at Stanley's, but how did you guys find the place? Well, I found Steve, I, I found it through you know mutual friend of ours, uh, Joe Brill, who grew up in the uh, neighborhood, and uh, we have a fascination uh, with all kinds of disappearing Chicago old bars and restaurants that are going away that aren't you're not going to be able to replace, like Marie's Riptide Lounge yeah. and Bucket of Suds, and some of these. You know, neighborhood bars are just disappearing in Chicago. And uh, Joe uh, and I used to hang out at a bar called Bucket of Suds years ago. And uh, he had mentioned about five or six years ago, uh, asked if I'd ever uh, been to Stanley's. And uh, he said, Wanda's going to be 90 years old. You know, you should go down there and check it out. And I went down there for the first time for lunch. I got the Polish plate. The food was excellent. Wanda couldn't have been nicer and more friendly. And uh, I just fell in love with the place. So then you bring Ken? I brought Ken. So then Ken, you, Steve brings you there. Well, the fact of the matter is I, I was not the first member of my family to end up in the back of the yards in that neighborhood i'm originally from southeastern iowa just like my dad my grandfather everybody were all farmers in 1937 when my father was 19 years old he came with a load of livestock from southeastern iowa to the stockyards and wandered through that neighborhood and he was proud of the fact that he was there for like a day and a half spent a total of two dollars yeah uh he actually went up and saw jim pool broadcast from the stockyards and he went to the uh stockyards inn so years later, um, Steve, who has always been my entertainment and nightlife guru since I moved to Chicago in the mid-80s, Steve is the man who first took me to the Stay Out All Night Discotheque in Stone Park. Yeah, I, I was there once or twice. Performing on a Sunday night was Jeff Garland. Yeah, right. Yeah. So that was a few years ago. So like like steve said about joe brill saying hey you've got to come to stanley's steve did the exact same thing with me and how long ago was that maybe five maybe six years ago the first night that steve brought me there my first thought was i've got to bring my wife mary here so the very next night we loaded up the car we went to stanley's the minute my wife walked in the door she said we're having our wedding anniversary our 20th wedding anniversary party here at this bar 
and that was about a year and a half away, and our friends couldn't have been happier. We had a wonderful time there. Walter and Dominic, describe the vibe there. I know Dominic, you were there and stuff. I mean, what makes it? Why? Why? Why are these guys attracted to it so much? What makes it so unique? Uh, talk about the house drinks, uh, the food. I mean, just create a scene for the listeners. Walter. Well, I think the um, one of the unique things of the uh, of the bar uh, had always been that essentially whatever the food was that was served in the bar was really the same food that my family. Ah. Uh, ate. So there was absolutely no different. Uh, so whatever quality of food, you know, we would serve out at really a holiday meal or a uh, normal day meal was a typical lunch fare at the bar. Mm-hmm. It was pretty much a casual environment. I would say there were, generally speaking, uh, two distinct groups of customers, customers that uh, were working men that would stop in for short periods of time, and there were people that were more of uh, the community that would stay longer, uh, such as Ken, uh, and come and visit and that type of thing. Uh, and it was just a... Uh, casual environment it still is a casual environment uh the missing element of course is that wanda would uh, share her free advice with <laughs> the customers uh, yeah. oftentimes unvarnished advice yeah. she would uh, always ask me if i was keeping busy at work yeah uh, she always wanted to know how things were going at my job yeah she was and uh her tagline saying that she would still tell most customers she'd tell people to behave <laughs> yeah right, right. Yeah. Yeah. you know you hit on something steve um you, you mentioned marie's riptide you know marie i think of uh, we've had we've talked about phyllis's musical you know the phyllis isn't there that much but these women really have a they really had a, a face of the tavern i mean it was wanda was stanley's there right oh, absolutely yeah. yeah uh she ran the business with her brother uh, beginning in the late 50s and then her brother my uncle Ted passed away in 1983 and then at that point forward the business really transformed into her business uh, and she was the face of Stanley's it was really really in modern days more of Wanda's business than it was my grandfather Stanley yeah. no doubt about that she was the main attraction yeah you know I mean she uh, lit the place up when she walked out of that back room out of that kitchen you know and everybody said hey Wanda you know uh, and she would sit down and talk with you for hours actually at, at a time yeah. she would she yeah. my wife and I would go there for lunch and we would take along my mother-in-law who is in her mid 80s and she and Wanda hit it off like like long-lost family members they would sit and talk for hours while we had lunch mm-hmm. yeah 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 uh, music on the jukebox we heard some music. of it we have a uh, a jukebox that is a 1953 rockola jukebox wow. 120 records uh there's ample supply behind what's on uh, the machine today and the family bought it new and works today and we expect it to be working tomorrow as well. Is it Ten cents a song, uh, three for a quarter, and a nice selection of polka music. Exactly. <laughs> and the other, the thing that I really like about Stanley's is there's an old saying in the bar game, and that is if you walk past a bar on the streets and you can't see in the windows, they don't want you to see in the windows. <laughs> well, Stanley's, it's such a well-lit room. When you're there in the daytime, it's just there's just a beautiful, warm brown gold glow to it because there are windows that let in the light it's it's a warm and inviting atmosphere yeah. it's not some grubby bar it's yeah. Yeah. it's what you want it to be it's i've always said that it seems like it wouldn't be that difficult to run a bar what do you need you need a room you need a bar you need some liquor well it's a lot more complicated than that but wanda walter everybody in your family your grandfather figured it out back in the 20s and it still works 
No, and let me just comment that I, I think my if my aunt were here today, she would uh, she would tip her hat to all the other families, proud Chicago families, particularly some of the South Side families, the Scheller family, the right. Schmidt family. Mm-hmm. People who have built and maintained uh, saloon businesses, and it's no easy business. Uh, you know, a simple matter is you're on your feet all day long, and that food has to be cooked, and the the shelves have to be stocked, and it's uh, it's certainly not an easy thing to do. Do you guys have any idea? I mean, they always said it was one. Of the, I know Schaller's is closed, and that had a very old liquor license. Was it one or two or three? I don't know where the Berghoff sits and all the that. The Berghoff is one. Yeah, really, yeah. but. I wouldn't yeah. call the Berg off a slip. But, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm with you, Dave. Yeah. I'm completely with you on that one. Um, but do you know how old the liquor license was? Is it Stanley's? Yeah, I what? would say that, well, first of all, our, our first liquor license was 1924. Um, it's a hard thing to measure, but I think it would be fair to say that we're probably uh, one of a handful of Chicago uh, liquor licenses that are still run and maintained by the same original founding family. Wow. Uh, I think it's fair to say that possibly with the exception of Berghoff on the entire south side of Chicago, we would be the oldest saloon in the city. Um, and as I say, we uh, we certainly respect everyone else in this business because anyone who's been in the game for a long, long time has worked very, very hard. Outside of Joe Brill, have you had any celebrity uh, customers and stuff? <laughs> <laughs> hey, yeah, Ken, well, okay. Ken Motti, well, the mayor of Rockville, and Steve Mandel <laughs> drink their regular. I mean, any politicians come in? Yeah, uh, we've had a number of politicians, yeah. and uh, you know, the mayors have been in. All the mayors. Uh, not all, but yeah. we've had a couple. And, uh, the Southside mayors. Yeah, Southside <laughs> mayors and, and aldermen. And, uh, I think the funniest thing is is that we've had uh, so many uh, large and huge and powerful men uh, physically, and everyone to a person would say to Wanda, if you need anything, just give me a call. I'll, I'll take care of the problem for you. So we, we look at that with some admiration. Yeah. You know, Stanley's was part of a whole ring of taverns. Yeah, right. Down right. National, it's called Whiskey, Whiskey Row. Whiskey Row, yeah. And at one point, there were over 40 taverns on National Avenue at, the, at that location. So it was a tough business to make, uh, you know, to, to get enough men in to keep it going and things like that. They often cash checks right. uh, yeah. from the uh, packing houses uh, or from the stockyard company. Uh, and uh, it was a way stop on a way home. It was also a stop for lunch because a lot of the packing houses originally didn't have uh, cafeterias. So they'd go out and they'd stop at the bars. There'd be a hot plate, uh, not a hot plate, but a steam table, and you'd eat for free if you had a shot and a beer. Uh, and Stanley's walked right into that and uh, and is the last bar on Whiskey Row. Yeah, yeah. And I would say on the food, uh, probably for the... Uh the gosh, the the first many years of the business, the food the food was really a giveaway. The food was sure. just for the convenience mm-hmm. of the customers. The customers came in to drink, and uh, my grandmother would make food and put it out free of charge, just as a, a nicety to the yeah. customers. Now um, we're going to take a break for the news here in a minute, but people would want to know what's the future. It's it's open again. It's open. Uh, the the business uh, is open. Uh, we uh, anticipate being open and. Uh, Possibly with the exception of Wanda, uh, it's a family business, and the family's no interest in really doing anything but moving forward. Uh, give the address again. It's uh, 4258 South Ashland. It's on the northwest corner of 43rd Street and Ashland, right across from the main entrance to the Chicago Stockyards. And uh, what is it? What are the hours? Did you tell me last call? Was last it seven? Call, uh, <laughs> I'm not sure if this uh, is still the case, going to be the case, but last call was around 7, 7.30 p.m. Yeah, Wanda ran the business uh, uh, from 11 in the morning uh, till uh, 8 in the evening. 
Uh, but those hours may may change uh, in days to come. I'm looking for a side job as a bartender. <laughs> come on down. Yeah. <laughs> All right, we're gonna take a break. You guys want to hang around a little bit? I want to. I want to get a little bit more into Wanda. And, um, okay. Sure. So yeah. So we'll be back with more of a, a tribute to Stanley's on WGN after this. Oh, that it's worth every treasure on earth to be young at heart. For as rich as you are. It's much better by far to be young at heart. And Welcome back to uh, Nocturnal Journal on WGN, and we're uh, paying tribute to Wanda Kurek, who passed away June 18th at the age of 95, 95. proprietor of Stanley's. She, um, well, while we played that song, you told me that was her first rock, con- <laughs> rock concert. <laughs> yeah, she saw Frank Sinatra live when yeah. she was a teenager. And that was her first rock concert. It was. She missed a lot. Did she? I asked her once if she saw the Beatles at the International Amphitheater. I don't think that was a part uh, of The Beatles were not quite her style. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, talk about, uh, people may not know about her background in fashion. Uh, she graduated the Vogue School of Fashion. And you, I didn't know this until uh, last week. She wants to own over 100 McCall's dress patterns. So right, talk her, about that. That's where her sense of style came from, right? Yeah, her passion really was... Um, dressmaking, dress design. She graduated high school uh, in the height of World War II, and that would have been 1942, and uh, began the uh, Vogue Chicago School of Fashion, uh, but then quickly uh, quickly ended that simply because she was called back to work in the family business since her brothers were in the war. And then in the 50s, she uh, uh, purchased a dress shop on uh, 75th and Loomis and had a small dress shop uh, for three or four years, and then would call back from that because, again, her father took ill, and she went back into the bar business. But that was really her passion. She uh, she made many outfits, uh, did design many clothes. Uh, she was really fantastic with it. Yeah. I'm, I'm guessing that's why Wanda liked me and could tolerate me because I would always show up. I tend to wear a shirt and necktie no matter what I do. You're dressed up here. Well... <laughs> Like Steve said, I'm dressed for radio. Yeah, right. My heroes in fashion were Commissioner Gordon on the Batman TV series and Eddie Albert on Green Acres. <laughs> yeah. I said, that's how you do it. That's how you put on your stump grubbing suit. So um, you would come to the bar dressed up? Yeah. I would come there straight from work. Uh, I work in the western suburbs, and I found out that at like 2.30 in the afternoon on a Thursday, I could make it from the western suburbs to Stanley's in 45 minutes. Uh-huh. I would jam, and I would get there, and Wanda was always ha- – she was happy to see every person that walked into that bar. She really was, and she made you feel so welcome, and just seeing her little head peeking up over the bar, because she was a small woman – very short, yes. Mm-hmm. Very yeah, small, very, yeah. but uh, she she filled that room with her personality. Uh, you you told me you always felt like you belonged. That was a common I, theme. There, I really yeah. did. Being like I said, coming to Chicago from southeastern Iowa and being a farm kid, you always kind of have a chip on your shoulder about oh, here I am in the big town. But it was like finally coming to Stanley's with my wife, with my friend Steve. I really, really, after all these years living in Chicago, I felt like. I belong here. Um, My wife and I, the very first uh, funeral that we ever attended for one of the barkeepers that we ever went to was Paul Fong, who was the owner-operator of uh, Chef Shangri-La in North Riverside. We went to his visitation because my in-laws were personal friends with Paul and his wife, Susie. So um, when Wanda passed away and I got a personal text from Rich, one of the bartenders there, that just 
that was just it. And then going to the visitation, I felt like, yeah, this is this was a very special woman. She was a very, very special person, a cornerstone of Chicago. Um, Dominic, when when people went went there and talked to Wanda and you're a historian, um, what's lost when this when this oral history goes away? Well, you know, it's really interesting. Some of us try to preserve that oral history, (laughs) but um, uh, a lot of us lost. There's a Wanda was a character. Uh, Chicago used to be a city of characters. There was a lot of people who were, you know, a little on edge or a little off edge or a little roundabout. And Wanda was one of those people, and she was fantastic. Her heart was just, uh, you know, open to everybody. Uh, she was a, a, a great person, um, but she was a character, and she, I, 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 she drew people into that bar. I mean, she drew me in. Uh, you know, my my family grew up around the corner from there, uh-huh. and. Um, uh, knew a lot of the pe- same people and went to the same church when when I was younger before it closed, Sacred Heart, um, and people were just drawn to that place. Yeah. Uh, it was a it was a, a good respectable bar on Whiskey Row. Whiskey uh, Row. Right. Wanda really liked when Dominic came in because they were able to talk about the neighborhood. They both knew the same families, but yeah. what was really unique is that uh, virtually everyone Dominic knew, Wanda knew that person's grandparents or parents. And right. You Which talk about Whiskey one. Row. Yeah. Uh, how many women had a face on Whiskey Row? I mean, is, was this rare that Wanda was was? I, I think it was. It was uh, uh, n- not as rare as you might think. There uh-huh. were several bars close several. by that several. were run by women. Um, maybe in the early days, it was mostly a male institution. Let's see, before World War One, World War Two, uh, but uh, it, it it changed over time. You know, Whiskey Row was one of those places. Um, uh, that uh, uh, people in the neighborhood, there were two kinds of taverns in, 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 in back of the yards. There were the taverns on Whiskey Row, which anybody could go to, black, white, Hispanic, whatever. And you'll see the same mix today at Stanley's. Then there were the bars on the inside of the community. Every, there were about three bars per block in back of the yards. I think on my block there were five. <laughs> so that's a lot of bars per block. But those places were more closed off. It was a Lithuanian bar. You didn't go in if you were Polish. You weren't <laughs> didn't go into German. If you were German, you didn't go into a Polish bar. If you, oh, yeah. you know these were very. But not on Whiskey Row. Whiskey Row was open to we, everybody. Uh, we've always had an eclectic mix of customers. Yeah. Proud to say that we still do. Mm-hmm. If anything, Wanda uh, embraced diversity in the sense that when uh, she rolled up her wet towel and snapped it in your face, you know <laughs> you you knew it was time to leave. Whether you know whatever planet you were born on. <laughs> and every time every time I go to the bar. I end up having a conversation with someone at the bar that I would not have met otherwise at any other place in my life. They say that in your life you have your home, your job, and then you need that third place. Third place, yeah. And Stanley's is absolutely third place. I have met one of my favorite people that I met there was a man uh, who had uh, had a degree from an Ivy League school out east, and he was working here for one of the recycling companies, not as an executive, as a guy on the truck. Yeah. There's a story yeah. right there. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, it, it was, it's always been an interesting place. And Wanda would talk to me in Polish too, which was Absolutely. kind of kind of kind of fun for both of us. And uh, but you're right about that that clot. She could she could hit you with it. I, I remember somebody saying, Wanda, you know, I don't like liver. She said, Go to the there's the door. <laughs> Around the corner is, is McDonald's. Go eat there. <laughs> I mean, she, yeah, she told she, it like it was. She did. And credit where credit is due to Dominic, you appear in a documentary about the Polish in Chicago, and you were interviewed 
sitting at the bar at Stanley's. Actually, uh, the, the documentary, a couple of documentaries I've been in, the documentary you're talking about was called The South Side, and that's with Jeffrey Barron. He brought me in there oh. uh, five, six years ago, yeah, and yeah. we sat there and, uh, and, and talked with Wanda, et cetera. It was, it was great fun. Now, I had known Wanda before, but it was at that point that I started coming in regular into the bar. Okay, uh, in the time we have left, I want to go around the table and talk about your projects uh, outside of uh, going to Stanley's. So, uh, you got a book coming out, Dominic? Yeah, I do. In the fall, it's called American Warsaw, The Rise, Fall, and Rebirth of Polish Chicago. It's University of Chicago Press. Okay. Yeah. Well, uh, you'll be busy, right? We're busy. Uh, the, uh, the business is open, and uh, we're looking forward to welcome back all of our friends from over the years. Are uh, you going to make any changes? You wouldn't tell me if you are. <laughs> uh, we're, we're, we're trying to improve our parking situation, oh, you are? which really? is a little tight. Uh, but other than that, uh, I think the same room will be the same. I, I kind of lost track there. Was, what time is last call? Well, it was 8 p.m. We're open a little later now, but that's all now in the process of being redefined in a sense. Okay. All right. Ken Motti. Oh, I'm the busiest man in pretend show business. Gin Palace Jesters. I play in a traditional and original country and western band called the Gin Palace Jesters. You can find us on uh, Facebook, gin-palace-jesters. And I'm also involved in a show that can be seen on YouTube that's called the Chicago Vintage Show that is sort of like the Tonight Show, um, but with all rockabilly and tattoo stuff and uh, vintage and swing dance stuff. And I get to play Johnny Carson. <laughs> it's it's the most fun I've had in my show business career, and I am making air quotes with my fingers. Steve Mendel, what are you up to? I'm going to continue exploring, looking for lot, um, lots of gems in places like uh, Stanley's across the city and help spread the word. What do you, uh, last question, what do you learn when you go to these places, the sense of history? I mean, that's, that's real important to you. Yeah, I you know, because I just love... I don't like where we're heading. I don't like uh, the music. You know, every yeah, I sound old, but uh, <laughs> you kids with I, your live yeah, music I, and you are old. Yeah, I, kinda, I, I just not a fan of what's going on now, and I like this old history, and I like talking to these people. Mm-hmm. Um, Joe Dano, who owned Bucket of Suds, if he were alive today, he'd be 103 years old, mm-hmm. and uh, just learned so much history from him about the city and how things were. Um, you know what? They have they have time for you. I used to right. That's they right. They there and they like. And one of the things that I noticed about uh, whether it was um, Marie or Wanda or Joe Dano is that none of these people wanted to just stay at home and sit and watch TV. Being around all these people coming in, and especially younger people, all these people could have been my grandparents. And they enjoyed talking mm-hmm. with people. And I think if they didn't have that every day and just sat in a chair, they probably wouldn't have lived as long as they did. And I think it, not necessarily the bar business itself, but just talking with people and being around and sharing their knowledge that there were people that wanted to. Wa- you know, Wanda people. once told me, she said, what am I going to do, S- sit and look at the park? I right. want to talk to people. I used to right. say to I used to say to Wanda, I wasted the first fifty two years of my life not coming to Stanley's. I'm making up for lost time. Uh, good for you. <laughs> well, thank you so much. Uh, it's a, it's a great place. Shout out the address again, Wally. Four two five eight South Ashland Avenue, Chicago. Thanks so and, much, Dave. And she'll still it. have bear game. You'll still have bear games on Sunday. We'll have it all. She loved that. All right. Thank you. Thanks a lot. Thank and you. Uh, thank we'll you. be back with more Nocturnal Journal after this.